Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Link, a weekly podcast to help you uncover hidden things that steal your health. Thanks for joining us today. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood. Today, it is my distinct honor and pleasure to welcome someone who's a brand new friend and a colleague who I've admired on her website and all of her stuff like this is Dr. Barbara Lowe. And I'm going to read her, your, her, uh, you guys, her bio here. She's a licensed psychologist. She's the psychological practice and founder and owner, a lay minister, of course, a national speaker, AACC chair, sexual harassment and abuse violence committee, somatic experience practitioner, EMDR practitioner, board certified life coach, educator, researcher. She's absolutely an inspirational guide and healer. She's an author and a speaker. Welcome, Dr. Barbara. Thanks for being here. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. Now, when people see all those accolades, achievements, honors, the tendency is for people to form a snap judgment. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental manner. It's just like, okay, things have been easy for you. Perhaps uh, Dr. Barb is one of those just chosen few that's had the pathway just laid out for her and she didn't have to work for it. She had a silver spoon in her mouth. Is that true? Well, let me take you real quick to my senior year of high school. Uh, By the time I was a senior, I had had years of eating disorders and substance abuse to deal with the emotional and physical and uh, sexual abuse that I'd been through. I went through a, a certain kind of sexual abuse where my parents would do certain things in front of me and talk about certain things in front of me. And Uh, So a lot of emotional incest, and I can get into that if you want. But anyway, so uh, neither one of them wanted me. My mom would wake me up, hitting me in the middle of the night, threatening to commit suicide. My, my, I had relatives in the drug trade, and I was told I was going to be murdered if I told anyone. I didn't know who my real dad was. And I was homeless because neither one of my parents wanted me. And my mom had kicked me out in a drunken rage and I had nowhere to go. So I was living out of my car. No way. Yeah. And I almost failed high school. So by the time I came to Christ at 19, let me tell you, like there's some people riding the struggle bus, but I was like dragging from the struggle bus. You know what I mean? Like I was like, had, I was like, (laughs) I was like hanging on by a foot, hanging out the window or something. And uh, I thought I was stupid. I was really afraid I was stupid, but I, I came to Christ and I had so much pain and, uh, and the tears began to flow because I'd been numb for so long, uh, you know, numbing out on, a, on m- mostly eating disorders, but also some addictive, other addictive behaviors and including even stealing. I mean, just anything mm-hmm. to escape myself. I hated mm-hmm. myself so much, cutting everything. And, uh, came to Christ and he said, I want you to go to school and you're going to be an expert and the experts are going to come to you for advice. (laughs) What? Like, I didn't even know how to people. It was so bad that the pastors used to meet on how to deal with me. I know because I'm now married to someone who was my pastor. (laughs) (laughs) The irony of that, you kind of talk about that when you get to that point. That's funny. Yes, yes. 
So, you know, there's some old movie, What to Do About Bob, but this is like, what to do about Barb? You know, what do we do oh. about Barbara? Well, I went to school and Dr. Mark, let me tell you, I'm not the, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I'm, I'm not stupid. And God showed me, I was valedictorian. I was class rank one out of 7,000 something. And that wow. is just God, because I was afraid. I felt totally like a failure. I ended up becoming a psychologist. You know, I was a teacher. I was a researcher. And then I became a psychologist. And now every day of my life, whether it be through my clinical practice or the clinicians that I supervise, and I supervise about 12 clinicians mm-hmm. who, who work for me, and, or, and I, I, I feel funny saying work for me because we're more like a team, you know, yeah, of course. work yeah. together, but yeah. I own the practice. Or through my courses, and uh, and then I, I get to teach other clinicians. So all these all these places, I help people to people. Yet I felt like I was an actor on a stage, and everyone had been given a script but me. And I was always looking around, not knowing how to just be. Did you feel inferior? Oh, it's beyond inferior. Like I felt like everyone was better than me. And I was always trying to like watch people to figure out how to, how to act, how to be, uh, I don't do that anymore. God has restored me. God has healed me. I mean, I'm not perfect, Mm -hmm. but it is, I used to hurt 95% of the time. And now I think I hurt 5% of the time. Well, you know, Dr. Barbara, you know, you, share this very personal part of your life Mm -hmm. and these wounds probably no one has the same wounds but nonetheless these wounds are deep how do you go about forgiving and dealing with that how do you move forward out of that place that is so dark and so alone yeah well Empathy is a really big key, a really big part of the healing process. And also the being in the scripture, probably one of the greatest things I've done for myself, Dr. Mark, and, and, and I teach lots of psychological tools and those things are important, mm-hmm. but is spending time with the Lord every day of my Christian walk. I can't think, it's hard to think about a day where I haven't cracked the Bible or meditated on a scripture or worshiped or been talking to him in the background of my life. And through that, I have come to understand that we're all born into this world, not able to not sin. Mm. Mm. And I've also unpacked parts of my my parents' story. My dad ended up dying by suicide. My mom Mm. died by cancer. But over time... I've realized they grew up in tremendous domestic violence and, and abuse as well. Uh, and right before my dad died, I found out that he had been molested his whole childhood. You know, so I, I think in some ways they did the best they could mm-hmm. and they were both addicts. But I look at it this way. This is what I know from the word, Dr. Mark, is that we're all on a cliff and God is like a million bajillion miles away. And to jump to him is impossible. So if I jump six feet and my parents jump five feet, Mm. uh, we're all just not making it. Right. And that helps me. That helps me. Plus, I know that there's nothing that can't be restored or redeemed. (laughs) 
That's powerful. I'm thinking through this, you know, there's, there's people that are listening to this right now that's saying, that's me. That's my life. And you probably see that in your clinical practice, Dr. Barbara, a lot, because these emotional, these physical, these sexual wounds of uh, abuse, they spur on physical behaviors. And we have a saying, and I want to get your comment on this, that the majority of the physical manifestations of disease processes are truly rooted in spiritual and emotional brokenness. Would you agree with that and comment on that and why? Yes. Well, I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner. So I've spent years studying the nervous system and Mm -hmm. also how trauma impacts the body, Uh, not just through somatic work, but uh, other modalities I've studied Mm -hmm. as well. And I know for me personally, uh, one of the things that I, I just got went through a big launch and I knew right before we got on, I said, I've worked out seven out of the past eight days and I feel great. But I started to, I realized I was holding stress in my neck. Mm-hmm. You know, we hold stress in our body and the body really does tell the story. You know, when we feel a feeling or when we uh, experience anything, I often ask people, how do you know you're feeling that? And they'll tell me what they're thinking. And I'll say, well, wait a minute. That's what you're thinking. How do you know you're experiencing that? And when we get right down to it, it's in this this bodily sensation. You might be familiar with the research that shows when a gentle surgeon's, when someone's under anesthesia and Mm -hmm. a gentle surgeon's hand touches the skin, a skin will open up more and be responsive to a gentle hand versus a harsh hand. Of so course, our cells yes. have memory mm-hmm. and we know that trauma is stored in the body and it's stored in our, uh, some of the base parts of our brain. And mm-hmm. when we're, when we have trauma, it doesn't run through the normal autobiographical memory right. and it gets stuck in what we call implicit memory, the mm-hmm. same memory that we use when we ride a bike, you know, where we just, we don't even think about how to do it at once we've learned it when we drive a car It's the same kind of thing that happens with trauma. It's beneath the surface, but yet through what I call faith plus psychological tools, we can truly see healing in this implicit, even in this implicit memory. And everybody's kind of familiar with the adverse childhood events, the ACE sort of trauma. And then some people in our world are familiar with these epigenetic markings that sort of get passed down. And our cells do have this um, responsiveness. They're actually guided by our environment more than anything else. And and it's it's fascinating how you talk about this. When you're dealing with, you know, clients and physicians and the people you deal with, um, what is the first thing, Dr. Barber, that, that you want uh, to get from them or hear from them? What is that and what does that look like? What do I want to hear from them in the first stage of the healing process? Correct. Well, the first stage of the healing process is always safety and stability. And that's why in my Hearts Returning Home journey, the first course is hearts returning home stability. And I take people through the first week we work on safety, safety with myself, safety with others, creating safe support, creating safety in my environment. What are my triggers? And we talk a lot about the window of tolerance and not bumping up too high mm-hmm. or how to, how to help ourselves gain skills when we bump up in that sympathetic nervous system charge, mm-hmm. which has um, when we're over the top, when I say over the top, I mean, 
it's beyond manageable anxiety or mania or rage or, you know, all that excitatory nervous system Mm -hmm. or parasympathetic when we go down too low, when we're depression, dissociation. And so we work on stability in our minds, stability in our emotions, stability in our relationships, because relationship is the human habitat. We, we go back to Genesis. It's not good for people right. to be alone. Relationship in the, I mean, stability in the body where we work on the nervous system and a few things uh, that you would like that we talk about. We talk a little bit about diet and nutrition and mm-hmm. sleep because sleep is so important. You uh, bet. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Stability in habits yeah. and stability in relationships. So we start there psychologists and clinicians used to take this deep dive right away into mm-hmm. traumas and that actually re-traumatizes. I agree. Yes, ma'am. Great. You know, that's important to understand because you're talking about establishing uh, this concept of foundation, which is, is what we want to be is solid. And I appreciate your, your approach being a word of God first and just really planting that deep down there. And when you talk about your father committing suicide, your your mom, I think you said drug overdose and all that, um, w- was that hard to deal with? And how did you, how did you reconcile that, especially yeah. like even the suicide? Yeah, that's that's. I lo- I really do like talking on this topic because mm-hmm. I think I have a lot to offer here. I am going to be honest with y'all. You're going to be yeah. shocked when I tell you this. As a psychologist, I was dealing with my mom. My mom had cancer and I was at her house trying to help her with some things. And, uh, and my dad had been calling me all day from Hawaii and I was over here in the state. So it was, I couldn't really get to him. Mm-hmm. I had shared the gospel with him and I talked to him about going to the hospital and he was having some kind of paranoid uh, mental break. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was drug uh, dr- I don't have the direct evidence of this, but I think it was drug induced mm-hmm. because he didn't sleep for like four days. And mm. I didn't realize the last call at midnight, my time, that when I didn't take it, that my dad was going to shoot himself. Oh, wow. I didn't take the last call. My thought was, dad, I've helped you all day. I'm in bed. I'm not going to get up and take the call. I've been taking your calls all day. I'm here for mom right now. Yeah. Well, two days later, I hadn't heard from my dad. And my stepbrother calls from the islands and said, just says, Barbara, I'm sorry. And I just drop to the ground. I wail. You know, that moment where time stands still. And mm-hmm. uh, but let me tell you what, what God has shown me. God has shown me. Well, for, well, let me back up. I did go through the grieving process. I went, I, I did some things to honor my dad. I, I hiked into YPO Valley and put his mm-hmm. ashes under there. And it, that was kind of like risking your life to go all the way in there. Mm-hmm. It was treacherous. I, I had a friend uh, over there who lived in YPO Valley and said she never went to the center of it, but we did it. So that was help. That was helpful in grieving him that I did something I felt like to really honor him. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you this about my dad's salvation. God explicitly told me, Barbara, this is a no fishing zone. You are not to consider your dad's eternal reality. It is something that is too big for you. It is too much for you. And I don't want you to go there. 
Now, yes, I was tempted to feel guilty, but what I told myself, and this is where my clinical tools helped me a little bit, is I said, you know what? I feel guilty. Like maybe I could have done more. I feel survivor's guilt. But I also told myself, see, we talk to ourselves all the time. I told myself, you know what, Barbara, this is normal. It's normal to feel survivor's guilt, but it doesn't mean you're guilty. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of let it, I kind of surfed, surfed the feeling, and but I didn't, I know I have this tape called Dr. Barbara's ticker ticker tape tool. I have, I'm sorry, I have this tool called Dr. Barbara's ticker tape tool. And uh, I love this because you know, when you watch the news, uh, there's a, there's stuff on the bottom. Oh yes, right? of course. But you can just focus on the main content and you can ignore the ticker tape. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes we have to do that with obsessive thoughts that come our way. We ignore, we treat it like ticker tape. This, you know, we talk about this in psychology. Also, you probably remember a foreground background. Well, I can make the guilt background and just say, you know what? It's there. It's swimming around my head, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to meditate on it. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of there. We can do this with, with obsessive thoughts too, Mm -hmm. but make the real thing, the foreground and the other thing, the background. And that That helps me a lot. That's great. And you know, you, you put into practice, obviously what you, you teach (laughs) based upon experiential knowledge and working through this. Now you have a lot of tools that, that people can access, right. That can kind of get yeah. uh, some of these uh, sort of skills into their life. You know, Dr. Barbara, how do people uh, connect with that and how do they get those tools? Well, I do have a, a lot of free books I put out there and I have my live at five show and I put a lot out mm-hmm. on social media. So I have a ton of stuff that's free. I'm a big believer in giving a lot away. You know, that's mm-hmm. Jesus style ministry, right? Right. Uh, but we also pay the bills and I also have ability to take people deeper through my courses. So uh, some free books that you might, you know, your your listeners might be interested in. Mm-hmm. You can go to drbarbalow.com forward slash rejection. That's my mm-hmm. book on overcoming rejection, my free ebook. Drbarbalow.com forward slash, uh, let's see, forward slash suicide. If you're a survivor of suicide, that's a great book. Uh, I have, and I have a couple more. If you go to drbarberlow.com free gifts, I have, I have several, I think five free eBooks there for you, but, but our flagship course, and it's really a membership that you start in and you can continue in for only a hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. is hearts returning home. And it starts out with hearts returning home stability. And it, I include coaching groups. I include uh, Facebook, Faith Plus Psychology Bible Studies that I do with live question and answer only for our group. I, uh, I handpick my coaches to do weekly coaching. And then we drop three short videos a week uh, when class is in session, which is quarterly, and three heart sheets a week because I'm trying to make it digestible. For the mm-hmm. busy woman, and we're getting ready to make a course for men too called Recapturing Manhood. Uh, but this one is in particular for women. And uh, so, Hearts Returning Home, you go to heartsreturninghome.com. I have another course called Find Your Happy, uh, which is wonderful. It helps you know you restore your joy, it helps you have, mm-hmm. have more joy, uh, it helps if you struggle with depression. But really, mm-hmm. if you want to go on the journey to dealing with those unmet needs, those traumas, those betrayals, those rejections. It's the hearts returning home journey because we have hearts returning home stability and then Mm -hmm. hearts returning home rewrite where we rewrite your story. Mm -hmm. And we have hearts returning home restore where we really restore what the enemy has 
taken. Mm -hmm. We have Hearts Returning Home launch, where we launch you into your life's purpose, but we integrate in everything the enemy did and we turn it around for good. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's so good. Love that. Now, before we went on uh, live, of course, I got to briefly meet your husband and you were sharing earlier that you you went through an unwanted divorce through mm-hmm. betrayal. You know, talk about that and and, and maybe give our, our listeners um, tools on what helped you and then talk about the relationship you have with your husband now. Yes. I love talking about attachment, especially since I did not have a secure attachment with my mom, with neither my mom nor my dad growing up. And I was set up by the enemy. I've actually been divorced twice and Mm -hmm. I'm sad that that's part of my story, but I'm so happy that God is that God has not disqualified me. Uh, And I talk about it publicly because I know I'm not the only one. Women write me all the time and men uh, that this is their story. But what happened was I was, I had a, a, an attachment pattern in my life that was very anxious. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would be kind of clingy and I would, uh, I would uh, want more, but I tended to marry and date people who were very avoidant. And so the clingier I got, the more they avoided. And uh, and I tended to marry people who were extreme in that avoidant pattern. In fact, my first husband literally despised me even from the day we married. We were both in some weird pattern that we repeated from our our parents, mm-hmm. his dad felt the same way about his mom. So we were in this weird pattern and it took me a while to come out of that. And so I've been left twice. I've been betrayed twice, but then my husband, my current, my husband who was my pastor. So I've known him for 30 years, Dr. Wow. 30 years. I've seen him go through thick and thin and he's seen me and we've seen each other be faithful when mm-hmm. other people have not been faithful. I don't want to tell too much of his story, but yep. I will say this. His wife left him about the same time my husband left me. And, mm. and we began to just kind of commiserate and talk. And we've known each other for so long. And, uh, and he met me when I was fresh off that struggle bus. In mm-hmm. fact, I, I was in his life group at his house and, you know, he's like, what are we going to do about Barbara? What are we going to do? So he has <laughs> known me in my worst and yeah. he's always loved me, but as a, as a pastor and as a friend mm-hmm. and God slowly began to show us that we were called together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love that God is the God of fresh starts. So let me tell you this past uh, Dr. Mark, when I first when Tim and I started, when we started dating and I started realizing, okay, this, this might be God, I had to deal with panic attacks because he was available and I was used to unavailable. Now, a lot of people would say, oh, I'm, I'm sensing panic. I need to get out of here. Yeah. And that's the danger because to break out of that old attachment pattern, we have to face sometimes ourselves and our panic. Now, if you're having panic because you feel like you're in an abusive situation, that's mm-hmm. different. You need to get out, right? But if if it's if it's a situation where you're dealing with stuff from your past and you have someone who's available, 
And see, my dad smothered me in ways that were really scary. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's a, that's a story, a different story. We can get into that a different time maybe, but I had to face that so that we could become one. And Mm -hmm. sometimes we got to do that hard work to come out of the past that we don't like to Mm -hmm. have a present that we want and a future that we want. So you're talking about breaking a, a, a generational pattern here that is is sort of formed, uh, you know, probably when we're in our mama's womb and then what oh, yeah. we're raised in. So with that said, you know, what are maybe your uh, top three keys to sort of begin to break away out of that pattern, Dr. Barber? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love Psalm 27. Mm-hmm. And how it talks about the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Mm -hmm. So we need to develop this secure attachment to the Lord. And you might say, well, I know the Lord, you know, the listener, Mm -hmm. you might say, well, I know the Lord. Yes. But has he become that strong attachment to you on your side of the relationship? Have you Mm -hmm. softened into it? If he were like a couch, are you laying all the way on it? Because he is strongly holding you. Psalm 27 also says, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up and adopt me, you know, adopt me as his child. Mm -hmm. So this attaching to the Lord and, and, and making him primary, and then that'll help us start softening into trusting others. I remember uh, at one point, the Lord said, I want you to start trusting others more. I said, no, I'm just going to trust you. He said, mm-hmm. your healing is not going to come until you also soften into to safe others. Wow. And, and we do that through the heart's return, what I've laid out in the heart's turning home process, mm-hmm. but other people have their own processes. I know, but it's got to be safety and stability first. Then you start going into some things from the past, but with a mind to repair, not just to feel it all, but also bringing in the right repairs, which will be the Lord, which will be learning how to do some self-parenting, learning how to bring truth in into some new ways. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to just sit there and feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it, feeling it is part of it, but with lots of comforts. And so going through that healing process of safety and stability, and then Mm -hmm. facing yourself, I I used to be terrified to face myself, I was so afraid of what was on the inside of me. Hmm. And so we need to be like Gideon, where God said, go in the strength you have, and little Mm -hmm. bit by little bit face ourselves. I love that. That's beautiful. And and so, you know, we're in a time right now, uh, in our world at the time of this interview, where there's a lot of fear out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all aware of what this pandemic COVID-19 is, Dr. Barbara. What does that do to people in regard from your professional observation, physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Right. I've been really concerned about the mental health of our nation right mm-hmm. now. Spiritually, we know that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so I'm very clear on that there are a variety of things that you can do to face this epidemic. Mm -hmm. But whatever you do, as best you can, do it in faith. I actually had a dream, and I believe it was from the Lord a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And in the dream, there were groups of people who were kind of out and about and other groups of people who had given themselves to a spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. And I saw this spirit of fear. It was tilting 
it wasn't just fear. It was moving into true psychiatric torment. It was moving into psychosis. It was moving into mental breaks. It was moving Mm -hmm. into panic, into agoraphobia. Mm -hmm. And so wherever we give ourselves to something that's not of God, sin will always take us farther than what we mm-hmm. thought it would. You know, I think about Cain and Abel, there had been no deaths from what mm-hmm. I can tell at that point. And imagine hitting <clears throat> your brother and seeing him die and seeing someone die for the first time. You know, it, it, this, wow, you can never get that back. Mm-hmm. Sin will take you farther. And so whatever you do, do it in, I would say, try to do it in faith. Now, trials bring up the basement of our heart. And so I've talked a lot about some of the basement places I've had to visit in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I do think that it's a great opportunity. People are being presented with a great opportunity to deal with the basement, the stuff in the basement, the rooms in their heart home where Jesus is knocking that have the cobwebs, that have the mildew, mm-hmm. uh, places where they've not let him in yet. Um, so I would recommend that people dig in during this time to begin to face themselves mm-hmm. because we're going to have feelings. It, it, you know, we're kind of like looking outside, looking at the new apocalypse of the day. Seems like <laughs> fires and COVID oh. and unrest and but let's let God use it in our lives. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think we, we put out a couple of things uh, fairly recently, recently with the question, is coronavirus a gift? Question mark under that same context that you just mentioned. And certainly anytime you have, I think you would agree that you have um, something that attacks you or shows you perhaps your weaknesses. It's actually a good thing because it gives you a chance to see those weaknesses make adjustments and allow God to strengthen you so that it doesn't become a weakness next time. Would that be accurate with, from your professional standpoint? Oh, definitely. I remember when my first husband left me, I had two little babies and I had to re I had to sell that house. He way checked out. So I had to sell my house. I had to watch people ruffle through my baby clothes at a yard sale. I had to, you know, I had to go back to school. I had to go put my kids in childcare before I wanted to. And it was so hard, but I remember using it to go back to my childhood and let God heal me. And I would say, okay, I'm feeling this now, but when have I felt this way before? This is probably less about the current situation and more about my past. And Mm -hmm. so I began to let the Lord into those rooms. And I think COVID and and, uh, for people who've been through historical trauma and insidious trauma of racism and all Mm -hmm. these things that are coming up, we can let the Lord into those places. In your life, you've been through a lot of things. You've been so candid to share your life. Would you change anything based upon what you've been through? compared to where you are now? I honestly, I wouldn't, I would not want to relive it again. Uh, but I, God has made, turned all things around for good. Uh, I'm able to minister to women who have infertility or who have lost a child because I've lost, I had a full-term stillborn. I mm. can address suicide. I can help people with abuse. And I have, I have a lot of training and skills to help people with that. But it's hard to replace the empathy and even the the faith I can impart when I yeah. say, 
I've been through it and I've come through and I don't smell like smoke. There's people out there right now. They're listening to this broadcast, both males and females, Dr. Barbara, that are identifying with some of this. But they have the thought inside of them. Well, wait, you don't know what I've been through. What are you going to tell them? You're right. I don't know what you've been through. I, I know what I've been through and I know what I've seen clients and, and students go through, but I do know a great God, an amazing God who is the stronghold of my life. And I know that he wants to be the stronghold of your life. And mm. that person might say, but I met him or that didn't work for me. Well, we got to dig in deeper. We got to, I think the real issue is there's been so much disappointment that we don't want to keep putting ourselves out there. We're afraid to feel vulnerable. Sometimes mm -hmm. even our own rage feels empowering and we don't want to give it up and our resentment to trust. Mm -hmm. But, oh, there's so much life when we do. There's so much life. So I'll say, I don't know, but I know one who does know and who is big enough to way more than set you free. Obviously, God is the stronghold in your life. I think we can all sense that, feel that, and certainly we hear that. Does that mean we won't have any problems anymore? Does that mean there won't be any traumas or dramas anymore? Oh, definitely there will be. In fact, I'm still, I'm still healing in some ways. I, someone recently told me that when sheep go up the mountain, they go up like this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's what we do is we go up the mountain of God and 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 grow from glory to glory. But no, there'll be there'll be hardships, there'll be losses. Uh, but one thing I have is that I know no matter where I go, he'll be there because mm -hmm. I I I resisted divorce. I didn't want divorce. I just wanted the family. I tried twice to build the family. Mm -hmm. I I want I always wanted. I tried, I tried. And and it was taken away. And you know, I never thought I could go through a, the death of a child. I had a full-term stillborn mm -hmm. about 13 years ago. But God was there. Like mm -hmm. and so I know there's nowhere I can go where he won't be there. And that helps me a great deal. Well, obviously, you know, you're in a great place now with a great ministry that's super impacting, very impressed. Um, what new projects are you working on that, that's, that's coming up? Well, uh, right before this airs, I will have just done a Breaking Body Bondage Summit, but th that'll be available through an all-access pass for anyone that wants to check that out. Uh, I had eating, lots of eating disorders and I, women struggle with body image, food, self-hatred, plastic surgery, all these things, right? And this is an area where we really need to bring under the Holy Spirit because it's an area where it's almost a, an acceptable way to let the enemy in. And mm. so he has this side door of torment in our lives. So, uh, so we're doing the Breaking Body Bondage Summit. I'm going to be offering a course over the holidays where people will have uh, some, some access to me and my coaches and teaching called uh, Stable Hearts Through the Holidays because a lot of us, who I call like redeemed misfits. It's hard to deal with holidays or go home for the holidays where all those family roles come up and yeah. we need some extra support. 
Uh, we have the World Women's Wholeness Summit that will be coming up March 5th, 6th, and 7th. It will be our second World Summit. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, amazing women in it. Real Talk Kim, Darlene Chuck. Uh, I mean, the list is long. Just these wonderful powerful women of God who are in our goals are to encourage women at every age and stage to uh, have wholeness in every area of their lives. So we're going to do wholeness in all the different areas mm-hmm. and uh, legacy living and unity with diversity is always really important to me. So I love representing different skin colors. You are an amazing human being <laughs> and only because God has empowered you. And I That's think true. it's the parent that you give him all the credit mm-hmm. as this concept of stronghold that you've so eloquently described to all of us. And Dr. Barbara, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart from Dr. Michelle and, and, and myself um, for joining us on this podcast. I, I highly um, recommend you, ladies and gentlemen, to connect with Dr. Barbara. We will put all these links down below. Get all the resources you can, and please allow this to affect your life in the way it's intended. Uh, Dr. Barbara, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this, uh, this podcast. It's very, very much been my honor and uh, very grateful. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Dr. Barbara Lowe, one of the leaders in actually communicating, living out the healing process. And I hope you've enjoyed this broadcast today. One thing I always ask you to do is subscribe to find out what's coming and who's coming next. And certainly don't let these things that get into your life that steal your best health, deal with them. Let God bring healing to those lives so you can have your optimum and functional life on this earth. Look forward to seeing you next time on Healthcare's Missing Link.